Reflections from Round Hill. I've included one scripture lesson in our order of service this morning. It's not a scripture lesson that we normally use during the summer months. In fact, it's almost always used at some point in the weeks before Christmas. But why tie it to that part of the calendar year? We like to say that we can celebrate Christmas at any time of the year. So let's find a little bit of that Christmas spirit by reading this particular passage from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look. The virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. In the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I once knew a family that celebrated the same tradition every year on Christmas Eve. They would enjoy the two beautiful Christmas Eve services at their local church, and then they would return home and eat a delicious dinner because they were all amazing cooks. And then one member of the family would sit by the fireside, they would all gather around, and they would read together Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol. So every year they placed at the heart of their Christmas celebrations not one birth story, but two. The first of which was, of course, the birth of Jesus, a profoundly vulnerable child born into a world that wasn't expecting him, didn't ask for him, didn't want him, and offered no promises about caring for him or his family. The second birth story celebrated by my friends during their Christmas Eve tradition involved the transformation of a miserly, mean-spirited man by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge. He's the main character in Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol. Scrooge's birth, or rebirth, didn't take place in a manger. It took place in his bedroom. And in that bedroom, all throughout the night of one Christmas Eve, Scrooge was visited by three ghostly apparitions, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, all of which tried in their own way to awaken Scrooge's humanity that he might become a more loving and compassionate human being. Now, if religion is in the business of transformation, then the transformation of Scrooge from world-class grump to ambassador of grace is one of the great redemption stories in all of world literature. Every time I hear someone say, he'll never change, or she'll always be like that, Scrooge nudges his way into my conscience and thinks, well, don't be so sure. And the story about him is clear. 
that human transformation happens when we respond to the call of love and that call to love often requires us to move out of our comfort zones, to find out what it means to forgive, to love enemies as well as friends. Scrooge was terrified by his ghostly visitors, but it was because of their visitations that he became a more human and a more humane person. The call of compassion does not always come at convenient times. There's a surprise. And it's not always welcome when it does come because it can require us to rethink our priorities. You know, those nicely pro ordered priorities that we have for ourselves and our lives and everyone around us. Well, the call of compassion can shake that up a little bit. It can challenge us to reassess our capacity to get involved in the world in more dynamic ways. It draws us out into some pretty deep waters. Just ask Joseph, one of the key characters in the Christmas story, along with Mary and, of course, Jesus. Now, apparently, he did not appreciate his fiancée, Mary's announcement that she was pregnant before their marriage and then went on to identify the father of the child as the Holy Spirit. That must have really cleared things up. That's a lot to take in. If that announcement was supposed to elicit compassion on Joseph's part, it was a spectacular failure. Two words define his response to Mary's little birth announcement, distance and retreat. He wanted to get as far away as fast as he could from this very complex, unwanted situation. Joseph didn't want to support Mary and her child, but neither did he want to embarrass nor humiliate her. So he figured out a way, as the story says, to dismiss her or divorce her quietly. And let's be honest, that wasn't about Mary and her baby, that was about him. Partly saving face, but also keeping intact his very righteous way of living in the world. And so he would have sent her out and away in order to protect all of that. After creating this plan, he went to sleep. And then, thanks to God, wound up having his own Ebenezer Scrooge moment. Because an angel of God came to him in the midst of his sleep with an important message. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, said the angel. Embrace her and this story, and you will call the, the name of this child Jesus. Now, clearly, God does not play fair here. God didn't come to Joseph in the middle of the day when his Defenses were fully assembled. Instead, he came to Joseph in the middle of the night when his defenses were down, when the angel could reach deep into Joseph's imagination and awaken his humanity that he might become more humane. Joseph discovered, as a friend of mine likes to say, that God loves us as we are, but loves us too much to leave us as we are. So in the middle of the night, in the middle of a dream, an angel brought the light of new understanding to Joseph, gave him encouragement to exceed his definition of what it meant to be a righteous person. It needed some updating and encouraged him to do the right thing for Mary and the baby in her womb. And good for all of them, Joseph let go of one standard of goodness 
in order to embrace a form of kindness that was much more demanding, but much more fulfilling. And I think about the ways that this often happens historically. I think about the civil rights movement in our country when young people across the Deep South often engaged in peaceful civil protests, but they broke laws in order to awaken the conscience of a nation and call us to a higher form of righteousness and justice. In Haruki Murakami's novel, Norwegian Wood, one of the main characters asks a very simple sounding question. What happens when people open their hearts? And there's a wonderful simple reply that comes to that question. They get better. Joseph's life was turned inside out and upside down, but I'd like to believe that he became better for it. Certainly the world became better for it. He became an adoptive parent, embracing a child not his own, shepherding that child and the child's mother away from danger when they most needed help. And even though he basically disappears from the story, there's only one other vague reference to him in the gospel stories. The power of his actions are celebrated to this day. Would Jesus ever have reached adulthood without him? Joseph said, yes. And it's one of the great miracles of Christmas. Ebenezer Scrooge said, yes. That was a miracle in its own way. Yes to love. Yes to life. Yes to the mystery and beauty of what it means to be a fully alive human person. And now, you and I, or at a time when we get to figure out what our yes is going to be. What is our yes going to look like as we are called out of our own particular comfort zones in order to embrace some higher form of righteousness or justice or peace? What will help us as we seek to answer that question? And what might hinder us? Many pastors and their congregations across the country are feeling enormous pressure these days to rebuild the church, to design the perfect program in the hopes that new members will just flock towards it. There's pressure to grow membership after the pandemic, to increase giving, to shore up buildings that need attention. But I think as long as we're more concerned with our own survival, then whatever role we can play in the healing of the world, we may never figure out that great yes that we can say where people are most in need of hearing it. And this is exactly the, the challenge that Joseph faced. He was deeply interested in his own survival and well-being, but there came a time when he needed to put the life of another person above that. What if we took a deep collective breath Listen carefully to this ancient story and then put the focus where it belongs on learning to love the world the way Jesus loved the world, with an open heart, open ears, with imagination and strength, compassion and tenderness. Let's be trusting enough to set the question of our institutional survival off to the side and focus instead on becoming the best practitioners we can of kindness. That's what Joseph had to do. He had to set off to one side much of what he had learned about being a good person, a righteous person, 
so that God could make him an even better person. Scrooge had to relinquish his obsession with material gains so that he could gain something else, his soul, his life, his spiritual being, his connection to his family and to the wider world. What if we, individually and as a congregation, gathered around this question, how do we think God is asking us to love the world in ways we've never loved it before? How is God asking us to listen to those around us so that we can better comprehend how to offer our help and our encouragement and to listen in ways that we've never listened before? Recently, I came across an article by Michael Reinhardt, who is a bishop in the Lutheran Church in America. He was giving a public address, and he started off his address with this sentence. The turnaround of the mainline churches will happen, he said, when we in those churches care as much about those outside the church as we do those inside. To embrace relevance, we will have to let go of survival. And I think what he's saying here is that if we do let go of survival, we may find that a whole new spirit will come into our lives, which in some ways will help us towards the growth that we seek. When I was on sabbatical, I came across a really lovely story about a church in rural Wisconsin. It's located in farm country. But as this group of people in this church started to think about their future, they, they began to realize that they actually were fairly disconnected from the farmers who worked all around them. So a team of volunteers from the church made lunches. In every lunch bag, they placed a card that said, thank you for feeding our community and the world. And they went out and delivered those lunches to the farmers and said, you know, we want to thank you for the good work that you are doing. The farmers were so impressed by this and so touched by it. In many cases, they asked these same people if they would return in the spring and offer a prayer of blessing as they planted their crops. Now, this is just a small connection, but who knows what might grow from that? Jesus was a great seed sower, planting tiny seeds, and they often developed into magnificent directions of love. I think the Spirit of God is always outward bound, helping us to form loving and rich and dynamic communities of faith, but asking us to think of them as base camps rather than as destinations. So when Joseph in the biblical story and Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol were touched by that spirit, they didn't turn inward. They didn't try to keep it to themselves. They faced out to the world that needed their compassion. So let's celebrate Christmas in August. Christmas is that spirit of reaching out to the world with love. Christmas is that time when the love of the Spirit touches human hearts and helps us to become more human and more humane. Perhaps it will come in the form of an angel, a dream, a question, an idea, a vision. But it wants to help us find our way out of our comfort zones and love the way that God loves the world over and over and over again until, as it is in heaven, so may it be on earth. Amen.